Again, Father, we uh, thank you so much uh, just for, again, the opportunity to come and worship you freely. As we consider our brothers and sisters, again, all over the world who, uh, for one reason or another, Lord God, cannot worship you as we do. So we just want to thank you, Lord. So, Father, in this place today, Lord God, our hearts are in different places. But with the entrance of this Christmas season, uh, we ask you, Lord God, uh, that you would plow up all that stuff that's not like you. And that we would again, uh, fresh, Lord God, believe uh, either as we once did or maybe even for the first time today. So we invite you to work in our hearts uh, that you would move us closer to your presence, closer to walking in holiness. Whatever our issue is, Lord God, we ask you that you would speak directly into our hearts today. Uh, so Father, with your word, uh, we pray uh, that you would touch us deeply. Uh, we love you. We do thank you again. And we ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen. After a long hiatus, we have finally entered again into the Christmas season. I really love Christmas. Uh, one of the things I, I never really liked uh, during the Christmas season was putting up Christmas lights. Uh, in a neighborhood where we once lived, I was always under pressure uh, to put up lights on the outside of our house. And I always refused as my neighbors would question me, how come I wouldn't do more with my house? So one day, uh, one of my neighbors, uh, he actually fell and uh, broke and shattered his heel uh, putting up Christmas lights. It wouldn't go to church, but uh, he shattered his heel trying to celebrate Christmas. But I love Christmas because of the, uh, the mood that it puts uh, not only us, but really this entire nation in. Uh, even though some may call it the holiday season, we know that it is Christmas. We know the truth behind the whole deal. Uh, but I like Christmas because it, it really does something to the environment. Brings out all types of folks. And I also know that we oftentimes, way back into October, that they were getting ready for Christmas. Well, they weren't getting ready for Christmas to celebrate Jesus Christ. You know and I know why they were getting ready for Christmas. And that is to celebrate the almighty greenback. Those ducats that they were hoping that uh, this type of season would just draw people's heart to feel happy to spend and spend and spend. But with the entrance of the season, I want to call your attention, everyone's attention, that this again is a season that it is a time for us to believe. It is a time to believe and remember the one who has come to rescue the entire human race. As we consider this fact, it is a time to believe that there is a true hope for people if they place their hearts in the right place. But people are looking for a glimmer of hope. 
or an opportunity to believe in something larger than themselves. You see, it's not good enough to believe in your friend. Really, and we know it's not good enough to believe in the dollar. It's not good enough to believe in our homes or in our jobs because we know at the end of the day it all lets us down. Recall when we uh, built a house years ago, how I was so proud of it until uh, that one day in this brand new house uh, I saw the crack in the wall. And I'm like, why is there a crack in the wall? You see, every single thing that man has laid his hand to, there's always a crack in the wall. There's always something regardless of how good that we may form it and fashion with the imagination of our minds or the craftiness or the artistic ability that we have with our hand. There's always imperfection. That's why we struggle. That's why we reach towards a line that we're looking for in which there is perfection. In order to get that perfection, there has to be something larger than us. There must be these things that far pace what we can possibly imagine. And I've told you stories before about some artists that I have performed with. And you have in the back of your mind what life must be like at the top. That uh, these artists, that they have their lives together and they're living in the gloriousness of stardom. Until you get backstage and you find out that the people that you admired the most, those folks that you read about and have listened to their recordings and you find out about them and now here they are fighting. Fighting like teenagers, rolling downstairs backstage. Crashed again uh, what it is thought to be uh, the, the penultimate of artistry. Breaking your heart yet again. Uh, so I tell you that we must believe in something larger and more perfect than ourselves. During the season... Are you looking for an opportunity to believe? Or are you looking for an opportunity to believe more intensely than you have before? What exactly are you looking for? What are your hopes during this Christmas season? Do you have any? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. And we see here in this passage that some are really looking for an opportunity to worship Jesus. But there are people who are looking to worship the true Jesus. Matthew chapter 2 verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, 
And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. People all over the world are trying to make some type of spiritual connection today. These wise men, they came from the east, wherever that east was, but it was obviously some distance in order to make this particular spiritual quest to find this individual. Imagine, if you would, in the days when mass transportation and quick transportation was non-existent, that people did whatever they needed to do in order to make a spiritual quest. I am sure that these individuals, that they traveled months just to go and to worship Jesus. Many of you may not be familiar with a drug called Ayahaka. Some, uh, in fact, they don't refer to it as a drug, but they refer to it as a medicine because it is made up from plants found in the South American jungle. Well-known people like Sting and Lindsay Lohan have sought it out. People have traveled from all over the globe in search uh, of, of a shaman or this a spiritual healer that would come and deliver them a dose of this medicine. They would come from all over the world uh, just for a shot. Some of the people looking for this medicine are looking for an opportunity to rid themselves of reoccurring traumatic events while others were looking for a spiritual experience. So there are some that had been in the military and they had uh, searched out this particular drug because all the things that reoccurred in their mind, they just couldn't get rid of it. And other individuals, they just wanted to get high. Some of you know what I'm talking about because some of you have gotten high to the point that it became a spiritual experience. One person said that they were able to cope with their problems, uh, that they drank this, uh, this liquid, whatever it was, and then all those problems that had haunted them over a lifetime, uh, that all of a sudden they were able to cope with them. But listen to what another person said. Another person said that after I, I drank the liquid, all of a sudden I saw snakes all around me. He said, I knew these snakes were there to protect me, so I just invited them in. You see, uh, sometimes when we have a spiritual quest and we are searching in the wrong direction, we can invite the wrong things into our lives. Some people have even died using this drug just one time. Nevertheless, people continue to travel from all over just to experience this one time. See, these wise men during the time, the birth of Jesus, that they had watched the stars and had somehow determined that by the information that they were able to ascertain that the king of the Jews had arrived. It's very interesting that in times past, as you know, uh, you know what came from the east, 
Originally, it was the Assyrians who had come to take Israel captive, the northern kingdom. Amen? And then we also know that it was the Babylonians who came and took the southern kingdom captive. Amen? And then we know that it was the Persians who came and overtook the Assyrians and the Babylonians and, and captured everybody. But all with these massive armies, in walk wise men, magi from the east, that they this time did not come in order to conquer, but they came in order to worship. When you think of Jesus, what do you come to do? Verse 2, they refer to Jesus as the king of the Jews. This speaks of the prophecy which God spoke saying that the lineage of David were never like a king on his throne. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 13. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 13. This is the prophet speaking to King David. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. Verse 16. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me, your throne shall be established forever. Now this is, again, uh, the prophet speaking concerning uh, King David, saying that his throne shall be established forever. So when we see Jesus as king, however, when we look at this prophecy, there is no concern about him being disciplined because we know that Jesus is perfect and that Jesus is righteous through and through. We do, however, see God disciplining the kings of Judah, including David. Right? Uh, so we know Israel, that Israel had kings. And if you're not familiar, you know that Israel was not always like one kingdom because of sin. And I do say because of sin, because they refused to worship the true God. Israel was actually split in two. Split in two uh, between the northern kingdom, and they call the northern kingdom Israel, and the southern kingdom, they call the southern kingdom Judah. But all of it was still Israel, so when you're reading scripture, you have to know what you're talking about. What are you struggling through? Uh, but here, God spoke to David in a way that he never spoke to any of the other prophets from the northern kingdom. And he says, your throne shall be established, how long? Forever. When we go back and consider the lineage of any king in the northern kingdom, we see uh, that the kingdom often changed hands. You have to go back and read some of this if you're not familiar with it. In the northern kingdom, we saw a lot of wicked kings and they came and they went uh, because uh, they set up idols and they did not worship the true living God. But in the southern kingdom of Israel called Judah, it had more righteous kings than the northern counterparts. And because of that, there was a great amount of favor on them because of their faithfulness to God. 
So the king of the Jews, or the Messiah, he had to be born in Judah. So as you think about uh, that split that happened, uh, that Jesus Christ as king, or Jesus Christ as Messiah, that he had to be born in Judah. You see, if, if Jesus was not born in, in Judah, he would not have been Messiah. Did you know that? Uh, that Jesus, he could not have been born in Gary, Indiana. Uh, he could not have been born in Samaria. That Jesus, he had to be born in Judah. John chapter 7, verse 40. John chapter 7, verse 40. When they heard these words, some of the people said, This really is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, uh, is the Christ to come from, from Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So they were making accusations that, that Jesus was not from, 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 from Judah, they were saying that he was from Galilee. You see, well, what's the big deal? Well, the bottom line is that Galilee was not in Judah. Remember Jesus, however, he was sometimes referred to as Jesus of what? Jesus of Nazareth. But wait a minute, I don't understand. If, if, if Nazareth was in Galilee and Galilee was not in Judah then how can Jesus be the king? But consider this verse as well, Mark chapter 1, verse 24. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. The Holy One of God. Uh, here is a passage, and this is uh, the demonic world is speaking to Jesus, and the, de the demons refer to Jesus as Jesus as of Nazareth. And then they say, we know who you are. So either the demons did not know where Jesus was born, or they tried to slight Jesus as being the true heir to the throne of David. You know, sometimes when people don't like you, they call you outside of your name. And I believe that these demons, that they did know who Jesus was and where he was from. But yet, uh, they referred to him as Jesus of Nazareth. We know that Jesus was from Bethlehem, the city of David. And you must know who you are in order to do the work of the Lord, I'm here to tell you else you will be challenged to the point of being ineffective because someone refuses to recognize you for what God has already called you to and what he has anointed you to. Who do you think you are? And the people will tell you. You have to know whose you are and who you belong to. So all that information we have just heard about Jesus is important because we need to make sure we are heading in the right direction for the object of our faith, and that is Jesus Christ. So the wise man wanted to know where the child was born as king of the Jews. Remember uh, that these wise men, that they had come uh, from where? They had come from the east in order to do what? 
to worship who? Jesus Christ, right? Born of the Jews. But think about it. Of all the people that we saw beginning to worship Jesus, uh, that proportionately you had these people walking for months to worship Jesus, but it seemed like all of Israel should have been happy to see Jesus Christ. Very familiar uh, uh, to the, uh, the story about the ten lepers. Remember that? The ten lepers who were healed by Jesus Christ. And when, when they all were healed, only one turned around and worshipped Jesus. And the one who turned around and worshipped Jesus was who? The outsider. But as we know, there was no real celebration uh, from the Jewish community as a whole on the arrival of Christ as the king. We must be clear that this verse does not say, however, that where is the one born who will become king of the Jews someday? Look at that passage. It doesn't say we are looking for the one who will be one day anointed as the king of the Jews. Look at this. They came to worship he who was already the king of the Jews. Jesus, when he arrived, he arrived anointed and crowned as king. There was no deliberation. There was no appointment by men to recognize him as king. Jesus was already king. So these wise men were committed to worship Jesus. As a part of the human race, it should be apparent to most people that we have an innate desire to worship something or someone uh, yesterday I was watching on C-SPAN a little bit of, um, a little bit of uh, the former mayor of D.C.'s uh, funeral there. It was very interesting because uh, they had all these folks from all over the place uh, worshiping all types of things. And if you didn't have your head screwed on right, you could end up, after all of that, very confused. Because of all the language that sounds familiar, and you may end up saying, well, what they believe is, is the same thing I believe. When the one Sikh priest or whatever he called himself, when he began to chant, I saw some of those folks in the audience that I figured out, I don't know, I guess, you know, they began to rock back and forth saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not knowing that it was sheer heresy in which he was bringing out. So we must know who we believe. We must know who the object of our faith is. Amen? All over this place, people are worshiping planets and trees and rocks. Now, these men, however, had given up several months of their lives in order to search out, find, and worship the Lord. So I believe that regardless of where we attend worship service, that we must be people who are persuaded by Jesus and committed to worshiping him on a regular basis. I love to see how many of you have committed yourselves uh, to understanding the scripture and how you are being drawn closer and closer into the Lord. Let's face it, all of you could be busy doing something else, but yet here we are today together in order to worship the Lord. You understand the value. You understand the importance of worship and the importance of growing in your faith. So the worship of these, of these wise men was not just simply about just traveling, but they came in order to give gifts to the Lord. Matthew 2, 10 and 11. 
When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. You see, uh, as a follower of Jesus Christ, it's simply more than showing up. Amen? That God, he wants our hearts, and he wants us to use his giftings for his glory. I don't understand the mindset of individuals who always insist that the church always needs to do something for them. No, I understand that the church is there for people, right? Uh, the church is here uh, to care for you, amen? The church is here uh, for your growth, uh, but it also facilitates all of our worship as well. As we all have become a member of the body of Christ and we should participate. So we must always ask the question, what do we offer the Lord in our worship? What do I offer? What do I give to God in my worship? And I want you to know uh, that I'm not talking about money. Um, that's not what I'm talking about. It could be for you. You see, for some people, money is a distraction. Uh, when they uh, are, are, are confronted with church, one of the first things that come to mind is money. They just want to extract this from me. For other folks, it's a different type of extraction because they figure that when I come to church that I'm going to be a good member and I'm just going to give and give and give and give and this is all that God requires of me. But I want you to know, no, that God, he wants your heart. God wants your heart when you worship. The expression of your heart may be demonstrated in various forms and no one has a corner uh, on the market of worship. So we just walked through a quick snapshot of the wise men and how they had an opportunity to work Jesus, or worship Jesus Christ and they took advantage of it. Now let's look at another opportunity we see in the passage which is not flattering. In fact, it presents a side of the human heart that is totally unacceptable to the Lord. True during those days and also true today. And here it is. Some are looking for an opportunity to silence Jesus. Some are looking for an opportunity to silence Jesus. Chapter 2, verse 7. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, their way and behold, the star that they had seen uh, when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Verse 16, please. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all, uh, in, in all that region who were two years old and under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation. Rachel 
weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. There are people, I want you to know, and institutions today whose goal it is to silence Jesus. Say it again if you didn't get it the first time, that there are people and institutions whose primary goal it is to silence Jesus. In America, we have seen a decline in the rights of Christians to express themselves while other religious and non-religious movements have been given an open door in many areas. Time and time again, we have heard about students who have been silenced because what they believe about Jesus Christ runs contrary to a particular group's desire to live in opposition to the Word of God. You've heard it. Uh, a student just wanted uh, to, to walk around with a T-shirt that talked about Jesus. But they found themselves in the principal's office in trouble. We've heard about Christians in various parts of the world like Iraq, as I mentioned before in our prayer, uh, that have been tortured and killed, all because they name the name of Jesus Christ. One article states about Christian martyrs, and I quote, that there are two types of Christian martyrs. Those who give up their lives for the faith in Christ, and those who endure deep suffering for their faith in Christ. So people can talk all they want about the, the rope that they use to tie a couple of boxes together. But you tell them uh, that, you ask them the question, do you think that that rope is strong? They'll tell you, oh yeah, that, that rope is strong. They'll tell you, oh yeah, we can keep it together. And you tell them to tie that rope, rope across a, a, a ditch that is 40 feet deep and then uh, walk themselves across, and then it's a, a different story. Because now uh, they are really trying to determine whether or not if that rope is strong enough. Is your rope of Jesus Christ strong enough for you to go across the ditch of life? The devil has such hatred for Jesus Christ that he is willing to kill anyone who gets in his way, even if you are not a follower of Christ. Herod was of this sort. In verse 3 we saw that someone had come to worship uh, someone other than Herod, and it troubled him. Verse 3 says, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. I guess if you always thought yourself to be king, just the whispers of someone else as king can be quite threatening to you. You see, I'm not sure if you understand anything or know anything about Herod, but he had worked really, really hard for this position. I want you to listen to what the historian Josephus said about Herod. And if you don't know who Josephus is, he was a historian around that time. Now he was, in essence, not, not a Christian, but he was a historian that he would write historical things. That's what history does. And this is what Josephus says here, and I quote, The king also came himself from Samaria. A quick background. Uh, this was uh, a king of Samaria uh, that uh, I'm not sure if it was Herod who had gotten him together, but Herod plus another guy, all these guys had gotten together. So this king had come to join Herod from Samaria and brought with him no small army besides that which was there before, for they were about 
30,000. And they all met together at the walls of Jerusalem and encamped at the north wall of the city, being now an army of 11 legions, armed men on foot, and 6,000 horsemen and other auxiliaries out of Syria. The generals were two, Sosius, uh, sent by Anthony. You know who Anthony is, Mark Anthony. Right? These are real people. We're not talking about something that's made up. Uh, so Sosthenes was sent by Mark Anthony to assist Herod. And Herod, on his own account, in order to take the government from Antagonus, who was declared an enemy to Rome, and that he himself, this is Herod, might be king according to the decree of the Senate. So, it, it, so what was happening was, was Herod had come with this army in order to take hold of Jerusalem so he would ultimately become king. But I also want you to know that everybody didn't like Herod uh, on the up and up. They said at the time that the emperor, I forget who the emperor was at the time, that he said this about Herod. That they thought Herod is such a nasty, Herod, such a nasty person that the, uh, the emperor said this about Herod. He says, I would rather be Herod's pig than to be Herod's son. Herod was a nasty guy, but yet somehow Rome could use him to, to rule there in Judah, in Israel. So this is why the birth of Christ was so troubling to him. In fact, Herod was so, became so paranoid as he grew older that he started killing off his own family members because he thought that they would try to take the kingdom away from him. So, uh, lo and behold, you have uh, this king child that everybody is talking about. Oh, he's nothing. And if I can't find him uh, just so that I can stay on the throne, then I'll kill all the male babies two years old and under. And you see, Herod wouldn't even think twice about it. Yes, it is true that the devil has been trying to throw off the throne of Jesus Christ from the very beginning. And if you know anything about uh, the, the Jewish history, you see how the devil always wants to completely destroy them. I'm not necessarily on their, their side just because they're living. I'm just saying what I see as a fact in Scripture. Scripture does tell us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We must do that because God tells us in his word. But yet at the same time, we see, uh, think about it in the back of your mind, how many people have tried to destroy all of the Jews. You see, it, it, it's not just about that they just don't like the Jews. What it is, it is the spirit of darkness that's inside of them that's trying to prevent Jesus Christ from becoming king. But you can't prevent that from becoming king, which was already born for king from the very beginning. Jesus Christ, he himself, was born king. No opposition to him would be able to stop it. Not even Herod. So we just saw uh, how people who have two opportunities before them. One was an opportunity to worship Jesus Christ. And the other an opportunity to silence him. Or in the case today to silence his people. I think that if Herod truly understood who Jesus was as God. That things would have turned out a little differently. But they didn't. 
And one of the reasons you're hearing this message today is because the Lord wants your life to turn out differently. He wants your life to turn out differently if you don't know him. Or he wants you uh, to be strengthened if you do know him. But also, it serves as a warning to anyone who thinks that they can outsmart God. I have a lot of people talking smack about God. But I want you to know that they will find themselves to be wrong when they stand before him as judge. So how will you look at this season? Is it a time for you to believe? Are you looking for an opportunity to worship? Or do you just want to silence the message of God? How will you respond to God's message today? Let's pray.